You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. James, I'm going to read it, and then we're going to hear Pastor Bill preach the Word of God to us. It's James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This is God's word. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. This has been um, quite a, a powerful series so far, um, and I think when we first announced that we were going to do a series on freedom uh, and deliverance, uh, some people were like, ooh, you know, uh, there's something just about those, those words, and we know that that requires something of us. And uh, in the early segments of the series, we, we did try to talk to you about God's heart a lot. Uh, we talked to you about how much God wants you to be delivered and how his intent is for all of us to cross over out of the places of bondage and into the freedom that we have uh, that is in Christ Jesus and in Jesus alone. We talked uh, a bit about submitting to authority, in particular the authority of Jesus Christ and his word and living under that kind of authority so that we are no longer enslaved in the deceptions that are, are, uh, that are coming against us and that are trying to trap us up, all right? So we submit to this lordship of Jesus and then he gives us the authority that is his so that we can live powerfully the lives that he's called us to live. And um, we also talked about this identity of seeing ourselves in Christ and living out of that identity and being able to renounce those other identities that maybe the world or someone or some circumstance has put on us. We also talked about the great exchange, the reality that Jesus gives us everything and he takes away our sin. And that this is an amazing transaction. This is an amazing exchange that happens in the life of all of God's people. And from there, we went into exposing the enemy. We began to talk about these deceptions and these these powerful tactics of the evil one and how he is constantly trying to snare us and to take us down and to take us out. And so we we began to expose the enemy and and to, to proclaim that we have this new identity and this new life in Christ. And that is where our freedom is. And from there, we talked about dealing with temptation. The, the reality that God always makes a way out. If we are His and we are walking in that identity that is Christ alone, then we need to be looking for that door that is the way out of the temptation that the enemy tries to bring against us. And realizing, of course, that we don't always walk through that door, we, we brought you uh, in, into an understanding of the resurrection power of Jesus and how that, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will give you the power to say no to this enemy and to be able to walk out your freedom and your deliverance consistently uh, throughout your life. And then we, we talked to you about law and grace and the reality that you are free, but, but because we are free from the law doesn't mean that we are free to sin. And that there is, there is a, a, a power that works within us, this resurrection power that allows us to, to, to move into that place of freedom that, that grace gives us, all right? And that the law, in a paradoxical kind of way, actually uh, teaches us to obey. And then we talked about the spirit and the flesh. 
We talked about walking in a way that is contrary to the world. We talked about walking as people of the Spirit, not gratifying the lust of our own flesh, if you will. In the last two Sundays, which I think have been possibly the the, the high points of this series so far, as we got you to the place to realize that to go into this place of living in real freedom and deliverance is going to require you and I to not only receive the forgiveness of God, but to forgive others who have offended us and to ask for forgiveness from those whom we have offended. And it's been, it's been a, a challenging two weeks for some of you, and I realize that. It's, it, it's, it's a tough place. And, and several of you have, have asked questions about this particular area, and can we do more with this forgiveness uh, piece? And we, yes, we can, and yes, we will. And today I'm going to talk to you about another stronghold like unforgiveness and is very parallel, almost like married to unforgiveness that we need to talk about. Um, and I think it's so common to so many of us as, as God's people, and that is the, the stronghold of anger, looking at this, this area called anger. And, and I'm going to tell you something. In, invariably, wherever there are relationships, all right, sinful anger will from time to time be expressed, whether that's a marriage or uh, a, a church dynamic or some other type of relationship. You know, by nature, folks, we are selfish. Let's admit that, okay? Let's be honest up front. Uh, we, we are selfish and we are carnal. I'm no exception to this. Let me tell you, you cut me off in traffic. uh, I'm going to have some words for you. All right. I'm going to roll my window up and I'm going to say them uh, in the privacy of of my front seat. You know, I use that illustration so many times in church and there's a reason why I'm praying every time that I overcome. All right. That that I don't find myself there uh, again. All right. But, but do something Uh, that I perceive as being disrespectful to me or someone I care about, watch out, because I'm going to feel that. I'm going to feel that rise up in me, all right? Um, And and if if you do things that directly hurt me in some way, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to go into a very passive-aggressive mode. I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to stop interacting with you. I'll just be, I'll confess it today. I'll let you know. You, You can now know if I'm not happy, all right? It's when I shut the switch, all right? When I, I just, I turn the light out, so to speak. I just, I just completely shut down, you know? And, and it, it does, I mean, people go, gosh, pastor's quiet right now. No, pastor's angry. Pastor's ticked off, all right? You just can't see it because I'm not one of those demonstrative people and it, with my anger. I'm very demonstrative in other ways, obviously, all right? You're seeing it right now, okay? But when it comes to being angry until there's a tipping point and then I can explode just like other people do in the body of Christ. But you know what? It ought not to be that way for us. Because what happens once we reach that point is then the enemy just comes in like a flood. And he begins to condemn. And he begins to slander us and accuse us. All right? And we fall into guilt and to shame. And then it is hard for us to forgive someone else or to, to ask for forgiveness from someone else. And so then these circles begin to happen over and over, like what we talked about last Sunday. And you saw it on the screen, how that when offense sets in, then topos is taken by the enemy. Ground is, is given over of a man or a woman's heart to, to the enemy. And there then the enemy has a foothold, all right? But I'm going to tell you this today. Anger, by the grace of God, can be overcome. 
We can do this, folks. We can live outside of uh, sinful angry, all right? And here's the thing. The Lord calls you and I to be merciful. The Lord calls you and I to overlook the sins of others. The Lord calls you and I to, to not be people who take revenge. The Lord calls you and I to, to treat people with love and with grace, all right? And, and if this is the call of God to you and I, then anger must be overcome. And the way it is overcome is by the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit's power. And that's what I want to challenge you and I today is that, that when this, this emotion of anger that can become uh, very volatile and, 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 and very demonstrative and very loud in some ways, when that is coming, when that is rising up in us, when we are discerning that that is happening, we need to be a people who have a strategy for a way to circumvent that, to go around that, to get away from that, all right? And if this is a, indeed a stronghold in your life, if this is something that has taken hold of you and it's a constant pattern in your life and it's happening often and it's, it's hurting other people, then you need deliverance, all right? And God is here to deliver you. God is here to help you to break out of that, all right? When we have stripped away the anger in our lives, then we are able to fully put on the love that God has for us. And we're able to walk in that self-control that God calls us to as followers of Christ. But until we do that, until we get rid of that, all right? And, and, and we have to go down to find out what are the roots of that? What, what is deep down? What is the root that has taken hold in my heart that causes me to so easily snap or so easily rise up in this mode of anger? What, what's back there? What's behind that? A lot of uh, counselors and therapists will tell you that a lot of anger is simply unmet needs. It's things in our lives that we have need of or we desire, but they've never been met. And we put the expectation of them being met upon others, either in family or in the church or in society in some way. But because those needs are continually going unmet, we are feeling something down inside of us that rises up in the form of frustration and anger. And if it goes unchecked, it can, it can get very volatile. It can come out, if you will, uh, in ways and forms that are hurtful to other people. See, without going down to that root, all right, and, and dealing with anger, all we're doing is we're, we're just... We're just it's like putting a coat of paint on a dirty wall. It's just not going to stick. You can be as religious as you want to. You can, you can present yourself in as loving and, and caring way as you want to. But if you haven't dealt with that anger at the deeper level, all right, it will eventually show through. That paint will peel away. That, that facade, that, that, that image will just fall away. And there will be the, the, the dirty wall that's been there all along, all right? So what we have to do is we have to get down to that place where we really let Jesus come and heal us, all right? And as Jesus comes and as he brings healing into our lives and as he restores our identity in him, then we become very much affirmed in the reality that we have a purpose for living and that that purpose is from God, all right? And that God's intent is, is for us to exert self-control and to love one another, all right? And that doesn't mean just in the public places. But it means at all times, in all places. You see, the reality is that you and I 
as much as we would try to put on image and as much as we would try to convey that we're in a good place or that, that, that we look good or we act good or we behave ourselves, the truth is you are really the person you are when no one else is around and no one else can see you. That's who you really are. All right? And so you and I can come in here and we can, we can have platitudes and, and we can love and we can care. And it can be very genuine. But the reality is if we are walking away from here and inside of us we are stewing in fits and rages of anger and that's going on, then something is not right. Something is amiss. All right? Something is out of order in that place. So let me, let me give you like about six steps here to go through. All right? And let's look at this from Scripture and, and see what we can do to address anger, all right? We don't have a testimony today, okay? So uh, everybody gets to be a testimony today, all right? We're all going to be a testimony together. How many of you would be honest to, to confess to the rest of us right now, all right, that you struggle with some form of anger, all right? It may be a very silent form of anger. It may be something that no one ever sees, but it is toxic to your soul. It messes with your, with your emotions. It messes with your mind. No one else ever sees it, but it's there, and it's deep, all right? And it affects you on a daily basis. For some of you, it may be something that's just brooding inside of you, and it just bubbles up from time to time. And it's low-grade public anger, but it's there. And a few people get to see it. Not everybody, but a few people get to see it. Or maybe you're one of those people that you just have to, you have to be so careful and so restrained because at any moment you could become volatile because those triggers just hit, and you just go. And, and, and you have no control at that point, all right? We're not talking about which one it is. But how many of us this morning would say, in my life, I know that there is anger and it is affecting me contrary to being like Christ? Yeah, just raise your hand. If you, if, you, if you can say that and you know that, yeah. This is something where God wants you and I not only to be honest about where we are, but to intentionally begin to do something about this. Okay? As, as David read to you, this anger that broods inside of us is contrary to the righteousness of God. And so if we are prone to this, when this rises up in us, we're giving way to the enemy, all right? We're not, we're not moving towards righteousness, but we're actually giving that topos. We're giving that, that area of our heart over to say, okay, Satan, you can just, just run with it. All right, I'm giving it to you, and I'm just going to follow your lead in this, and I'm just going to be angry, and I'm just going to spew it out, and I'm just going to hurt people, and I'm going to do all of this. And the reality is that maybe down the road from that, you, you regret it, all right? Maybe, maybe at some point you're like, why did I do that? Why did I let that happen? The reality is that it has become in you a stronghold. It has become a place in you where the enemy has some ground, okay? Now, the first thing that you and I have to do, and, and you started already by just even raising your hand, all right, and that is to, to admit to having this spirit of anger that we are battling in our lives, all right? I mean, do, do you really, here's the question, do you really want to live as God desires you to live? And of course, we're going to say yes to that, I hope, all right? Do you really want self-control? All right, here's the problem. A lot of times, over a course of time, we begin to love 
the out-of-control state because it gets us something or it does something for us. You know, a lot of times when we get really angry, we get really loud and we get really volatile, it's because we're just feeling so insecure and inferior and small. Pastor Dave, in, in a couple of weeks, is going to address that very issue with you, okay? But a lot of times we just feel little, and the only way we can feel big is to get mad or to get angry. <coughs> Sometimes we want to say things, but we're so timid or insecure or, or passive, and, and we don't feel like we even have a voice. And so the only way we can speak is we have to get angry, and then it'll come out. But when it does, it comes out wrong. It comes out in the wrong spirit. All right? It, it hurts. It wounds. All right? But we've got to be able to accept the fact that, that we can get angry. All right? This passage in, in Galatians chapter 5, beginning at about verse 13, it says that you were called to freedom. All right? Only you don't turn that freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, you don't, you don't get to be angry. All right? You, you don't get to, to, to show that anger to someone else. You don't get to project that anger on someone else. All right? Matter of fact, when you go down in that passage in Galatians, it says that, that the law, this law that you are freed from, actually is fulfilled in one word, and that is the command of Jesus, and that is you shall love. Now, you can go to Corinthians and find all of these wonderful attributes of love. Love is kind. Love is gentle. Love is long-suffering. Love prefers others over self. All right? All, nowhere in that lengthy list, that lovely list of love, do you find anger. All right? It's not there. The two, the two are not congruent. The two can't work together. When you're angry, you cannot love someone. I think that that is probably the most uh, convicting and challenging thing for me is that in, in that moment of anger, I realize that I am not acting in love. And I, that, that, that I hate that place. You know, I want you and I to live as God has called us to live, and that is in peace towards one another. The question then becomes, do I really want to live out God's love in my life? In other words, do I really want to live outside of this place of expressive anger, sinful anger in my life? So first of all, you face the real issue, all right? You understand that you are called to freedom, all right? But that freedom is not an opportunity for the flesh. You still have to live inside of God's word. You still have to be obedient to God, all right? And we are called by God, all right? to not be angry, but rather that we seek after righteousness, okay? The second thing that I think you need to be able to do is deal with this anger in the appropriate biblical way, all right? See, unresolved anger is always bad, all right? You and I cannot tolerate it. When anger comes to the door, we've got to get rid of it. We've got to, we've got to close that door, if you will. And we've got to acknowledge, just, just as, as James does, that, that a man's anger will not accomplish the work of God. All right? He says in, in, in James chapter 1, verse 19, You know, brothers, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, as David read to you, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. 
in those states of anger, you are never going to be able to grab a hold of and appropriate the righteousness of God in your life. You know what's going to happen if you're continually seeking God, but you're continually giving in to the spirit of anger in your life? It's going to be like up two steps, down three. Up two, down three. All right? You're never getting anywhere. If anything, you're regressing because it's causing greater frustration and, and greater anger is coming, greater shame, greater guilt. The, the enemy's getting a heyday with you if you're staying in that place, okay? So we have, we have to deal with this anger by confessing it, all right? We confess it to God and perhaps we confess it to one another. A- actually, let me back up. We confess it to God and we should confess it to one another. All right? It's really not a perhaps here. We really need to be able to talk to one another in the body of Christ and say to a brother or sister, hey, I'm really struggling with this, this area Pastor talked about last week of anger. And I, would, would, you, would you pray with me? Would you, would you talk to me? Would you hold me accountable in some ways here? Find someone that, that you can do life with and be honest with about the place that you are in. All right? And, and so not only do we acknowledge it and confess it, but if, if it's necessary, amends are made. This is where we come back to last week. See, all of this is building on each other, all right? So if there's been anger and it's been volatile and it's gone out uh, from you to someone else and they've been hurt or wounded by that, you, you've got to go to that person. You've got to make amends to that person in some way. Uh, apologizing, whether it's silent or open anger, it still has to be made, all right? You really need to be able to, to get this outside of yourself. And what we need to do, one part of this, I'll get, just help you to get started on it, is we need to apologize to, to the other person or the other party involved for not loving them as Christ would love them. All right? Because ultimately this is about your witness as a child of God, as, as a follower of a Christ, all right. So, so ultimately, if this is necessary for you to do, if you need to, to go to this person, you need to be able to say, hey, I'm really sorry because I haven't loved you the way Jesus would love you. I haven't loved you in a Christ-like way. I haven't acted. I didn't respond the way Christ would respond. And I'm, I'm owning that. And I, I just want you to forgive me for that. All right? You ask for forgiveness. And, and the hope and the prayer is that you will receive that forgiveness from the other person. All right? And uh, my wife is really good about that, all right? She forgives me, uh, and, 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 and I, I, I need forgiving, you know? I really need to be forgiven because there are so many times in my life that I have transgressed someone else, and particularly those people that I love the most. Do you, do you, do you identify with that? You know, as we said in the forgiveness part of, of this series, hurting people hurt others, you know? And how many times have you hurt the ones closest to you? All right? The one, the one person you certainly didn't want to hurt, that's the person you hurt. And sometimes that hurt runs deep, okay? And so we got to confess that past anger. So do a, little, do a little searching. Let the Holy Spirit search your heart and figure out, hey, who have I wronged? Where have I expressed this anger? Or where have I exploded in some way to someone else? And, and is there a need to confess that? The amazing thing is in the body of Christ, oftentimes, You'll, you'll do that, and it seems so hard because it feels so vulnerable. It's like, well, that person's going to hate me. That person's going to not love me. What if they don't forgive me? Uh, they don't even know that I got angry with them, and I'm going to go talk to them about how I felt towards them and, and try to make it right. Well, this is crazy. This, this doesn't make sense. I mean, the enemy will tell you all kinds of things. 
And the reality is that oftentimes when you go to that person, they'll go, oh, I thought nothing about it. You're forgiven. You know? uh, we're, we're the body of Christ. We've got to do that with one another. We've got to be able to live that way with one another. Here's the other thing. If there is present anger in your life, you've got to repent of it. If today the Holy Spirit is identifying something that is currently in your life, it is currently a stronghold that you are dealing with today, you have got to repent of that, all right? So see, anger in the present and anger in the future has to be cut off. We have to be able to stop it, all right? We have to put an end to that, all right? We, we have to shut that door, all right? This is another one of those. I've used this analogy before. This is another one of those places where it's like this is a feeding tube that the enemy hooks up to your heart and soul, all right? And so the enemy's constantly trying to get you to eat his food, all right? And so what he wants to do is he wants to feed you anger. He wants to feed you rejection. He wants to feed you unforgiveness. He wants to feed you offense, all right? And so if you buy into that and you start eating the, the, from the banquet table of the evil one, it will be a toxic meal and it will poison you, all right? And what you got to do is not let the enemy hook that up. Don't give room to offense, don't allow offense to enter in, okay? Keep your heart pure. Keep your heart clean. And so you and I have to cut off this, this, this present kind of anger that might be just brooding down in us. And you say, well, it's not that bad, okay? It's just a low, it's like a low-grade temperature. It's just down there. I just, I just, I'm, I'm aware of it, you know? No, it, that is a foothold for the enemy. That is a place for the enemy to get in, all right? And so you have to deal with this anger. You've got to identify it. You've got to to confess it, both past and present, so that you are able to, to uh, not give into it into the future. And to do that is the third step, and that is that you have to die to yourself, all right? You and I have to be able not only to die to ourselves, but live to Christ. And that's, that's the problem. Sometimes we say, okay, I'm going to die to myself. And what we're trying to do is just keep dying. We keep trying to die. We keep trying to die, but we don't live unto Christ, all right? We're, we're not understanding that we appropriate this character of Christ into our lives, and we start to live as Christ lives, all right? And we let Christ live through us. So it's not just dying, but it's opening ourselves to the life of Christ to live through us, all right? So it, it's an open and a deliberate, deliberate decision not to live as the world not to live as the enemy would have us live. See, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified. In other words, I've died. But, but this is not a self-inflicted death. This isn't you just saying, okay, by my own will, I am not going to ever do this again. How many of you have done that? I will not to do this. I'm never going to be angry again. I'm never going to look at porn again. I'm never going to cheat someone again. I'm never going to, to, to violate the law again. I, 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 well, folks, you don't have the ability to crucify your own flesh by yourself. I have been crucified with Christ. And then, Paul says, it is no longer I that lives but it is Christ that lives in me and through me. Matter of fact, he says it this way. He says, the, the life which I now live in this flesh, all right, I live by faith in the Son of God who, what? Loved me and delivered himself up for me. In other words, I'm living 
by this love that God has appropriated through His Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of His resurrection. That is how I am now living. So, it isn't me, but it is Christ that is living through me. Uh, A number of years ago, uh, a couple of the guys here in the church, uh, along with me, we went to uh, an event in Washington, D.C., and uh, Joseph Garlington was one of the speakers there, and he talked about his own life a little bit, and he talked about his wife and him, and really struggling, and and they were having a very, very difficult time in their marriage, and things were just not working out with each other, and uh, he said, we were just at our wit's end. My wife had shut down. She was ready to be done. I was was pretty much in the same place. It was just so, so heart-wrenching to be in that place, and and to try to be a family in ministry, and he said, "It, it was just so challenging, and he said, then to top it all off her mother comes to live with us and he's like I was like I'm done you know I'm ready to give up you know and so his mother-in-law is in the house and she's perceiving what's going on you know I mean they were they were at the place where everything was out it was obvious you know there was so much volatility in the home and so much conflict going on you could cut it all of that kind of stuff And she's just sitting there in the mornings and she's having her eggs and her coffee and she's just watching and listening as they get up and start to interact with one another. And obviously her being a perceptive mother-in-law, she realizes some things. And eventually one morning she just called them both in and she said, sit down. Let me talk to the two of you. She said, this is ridiculous. She said, you're both claiming you want to die. And she goes, I'm watching you. I'm watching both of you. She said, it's like you both build your coffin and you lay down in it and then you nail yourself into your coffin. And then 20 minutes later, the other one does something and you just blow the top off that coffin and you just living for yourself again. The problem is you're dying and you're resurrecting yourself and your anger and your hurt and your pain and your resentment and your frustration and all these other things. Why don't you just go ahead and die in Christ? Maybe you two will get somewhere. She packed her bag and went home. You and I need to crucify ourselves, and when we do, there are some things that must be buried because we're no longer living. It's an amazing thing about dead people. They don't get offended. Dead people don't get hurt. And the Bible says you're no longer living. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? I'm no longer living. I mean, I'm living. Folks, I'm talking to you right now, but I'm dead. This isn't me talking to you right now. This is Christ. Oh, yeah, it's in this human form, and there's frailty here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it twisted and, 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 and wrong from time to time, but the reality is the Holy Spirit is at work here. And if you are a believer, it's not you that's living, but it's Christ living through you. So why are we giving way to the flesh? Why are we letting this flesh man or this flesh woman be resurrected in us to do these things that are not righteous in Christ? We don't have to be in this place. We don't have to live in this kind of bondage, all right? And so we need to die to ourselves. We need to consciously allow Christ to live through us, all right? So that means that I am constantly trying to figure out, what would Christ do? 
I'm one of those people who don't like cheesy things, and I, I always thought the, the, the uh, what would Jesus do kind of, you know, the bracelets and all that when it came out, I was kind of like, oh, that's too cheesy for me. I didn't want to do that stuff, you know. But the reality is that is the ultimate question. <laughs> what would he do? How would Jesus respond? How would Jesus react? How would Jesus reach out in the midst of a difficult, turbulent, volatile situation? He would love. He would forgive. He would restore. He would speak peace. And so we have to be able to die to ourselves so that this love that is in Jesus can live through us, all right? So, so there, there's... There's this thing about dying where there's, there's a, an intentional place where we say, you know what, I'm going to do that. And it's like we all start new, we start fresh. But I'm going to tell you something, there's got to be a regular daily dying of yourself. It's not something that you do on a Sunday when pastor says stand up, all right? And then it's, it's like, okay, I don't have to deal with that anymore. We, we so want the easy way, don't we? We so want to just have things done, and I don't have to go back to that. I don't have to deal with that anymore. I don't have to live with that anymore. But the reality is that we daily must die to ourselves, all right? And so there has to be a daily commitment. If we're dying to ourselves daily, there's got to be a daily commitment to live as Christ lives. And I really think that oftentimes you need to have a daily invitation, an open invitation for Jesus to arise in you. Jesus, live in me today. All right, I, I want to start that out this morning early, Jesus. Just live in me today. Come alive in me today. All right? Live, live out of me today. Flow out of me today. Let the, let the next person that encounters me encounter you. When you start to think like that, all right, every person who crosses my path today should encounter the living Jesus. Man, oh man. All right? That changes, that shifts how we approach the relationship. That, that shifts how we function during the day. And that's going to require you and I to walk in this spirit of self-control that, that God is calling us to live in. All right? So we crucify ourselves. The fourth thing for some of you, and, and, and this is an absolute reality, all right? Some of you have a stronghold of anger in your life. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. We talked about these things during the forgiveness series, okay? And these are all like, like ri toxic rivers that, that can flow right into your heart, all right? And you have to, you have to put all of that off, all right? You, don't, you just don't go swimming in those pools, all right? Uh, because they're, they're detrimental to you, all right? But rather, he says, he gives you the different picture, and he says, rather be, be kind to one another, be tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. All right, so, so that's where we live. That's the distinction that we make. Why can't we get there sometimes? Why can't we cross over and live in that place of that, that glorious freedom that is identified so beautifully with words like being kind and being tenderhearted and forgiving? Because there are strongholds that have developed in our lives. You see, a stronghold is, is some hidden sin in our life 
that we have given up hope of overcoming. And so we just make an opportunity for it. We just give way to it, and we don't fight it any longer. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says that, that we have been given weapons, weapons now to fight, all right, so weapons of our warfare, and they are not of flesh. Your loud voice, your angry spirit is not the weapon that you use to represent Christ and to push back the kingdom of darkness. Those weapons only move you to the other camp and you begin to actually fight on the side of the enemy. And so you and I have to understand that we have been given weapons by God that are for the warfare and they are not out of our flesh, but they are, the Bible says, divinely powerful for destruction. Destruction of what? Strongholds. That's what the Bible says. Fortresses, depending on the translation that you're reading. Okay. But fortresses, strongholds, these places, if you will. First Samuel chapter 23, verse 14 says, David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness. David was running away from Saul and Saul's army. He was hiding, if you will. And the Bible says David was able to stay in the strongholds of the wilderness. In other words, he got up in the place of hiding where the enemies uh, could not get to him. Saul's army could not get to him. And he lived in those strongholds because he was safe there. And what the enemy does is he creates these strongholds, these places, these, these, these crevices in your heart where it's very difficult to get to. And the longer he is able to live there, the greater the fortress that he can build there. But the Bible says that you have been given the weapons, the spiritual, divinely powerful weapons of destruction that can tear down strongholds. You don't have to live in this bondage. You don't have to be in this place. You have the ability and the power by the blood of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, to be able to dismantle these strongholds and tear them down so that you are no longer bound in that place. The enemy doesn't have to hide in your mind and your heart and your soul. You can be free. And for some of us, we have to be able to say, you know what, for me, that's exactly what it is. It's a stronghold. It may not be anger. We're going to talk more about strongholds as we go along in the rest of this series. It may be something else, okay? But what I'm telling you today is that anger can become a stronghold. And if it's that powerful in your life, it's going to take a spiritual work, all right? And that may even mean you getting other Christians around you and saying, you know what, I want to confess and identify that there is a stronghold and I don't even know how to get in there and get to it, all right? It's so deep. It's so hidden back in there. But I know it's there. Will you pray with me? Will you begin? to help me so that the layers will come off and I can get to this thing and I can deal with this thing and I can go all the way back to where it began and where it developed and I'll no longer live in this stronghold. The last thing that I want to bring to you is that there's a, there's a principle in the scriptures that I think we have to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 basically says, Anger must go, but I will replace it with the fruits of love. All right? 
And this is, this is what I, I want you to understand, all right? When you clean out your mind and your heart and your soul, when you find deliverance and that, that evil is gone, you can't afford to just have a vacancy there, all right? Don't hang out a sign that says vacancy. The enemy will take you up on the offer, all right? Don't, don't replace one stronghold with another. Don't replace one sinful habit with another, all right? You need to replace that that has gone, that that you have renounced, that, that you have put out, okay, with something that is from God, all right? So, so when you are released from anger, you need to immediately go, yes, Father, I receive your love. And, and ask God to baptize you in the spirit of love. Because you are replacing that that the enemy has, has held on to. That ground is now open. And so now you establish on that ground, that topos, if you will, that, that had been the authority of the enemy. The enemy is, is cast out. The enemy is, is pushed away. You're delivered. You have this open territory in your heart. Ask God to take the whole of your heart, all right, and ask him to fill you with his love and with his power so that you are this a new transaction if you will all right and so that old thing of the enemy is gone and now you are receiving the powerful gift of god in its place and so you deal with it through this transaction of replacing what was evil with righteousness and that's a that's a legitimate work of the spirit all right, so as you die to yourself and as Christ is living through you, this is the work that is going on. You are constantly being renewed and being filled with the Spirit of God. And so then, in closing, you deal with each day's anger in that day. You never let a stronghold take root again. In Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 26, it says, Be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Take care of it right then. I remember I challenged an old man. I say old, I'm old. <laughs> but I was young then. I was just starting out as a pastor. And he was, he was tied up in something that was actually really quite demonic in its in its base and uh, I, I called him out on it I challenged him I was his pastor you know and he was probably four decades over my age and it was very awkward and very uncomfortable you know this young kid preacher having to call out this you know this 60 year old man you know on, on this really kind of big sin he got so angry with me, so angry. And he just, he walked out of the church that day, little white country church, and he just, he, he picked up a little bag he had, and his wife was in a wheelchair, and, and, and he got behind his wife, and he rolled her right out of the church. It's a little tiny church. Everybody knew something had happened, you know, and I felt like, man, everybody's going to say that little green pastor, you know, he just screwed up. 
That's how I felt, you know, and I felt helpless, and, and he was walking out, and, you know, one, such a stalwart of a man, such a godly man, a righteous man, but this was an area of his life, and I was like, come on, you've got to deal with this. Look at it right. And he walked away. I, we went home. We drove home. I was so miserable driving home that day. Oh, I was eaten alive. I just wanted to cry. I, was, I wanted to give up. I wanted to quit. You know, I mean, the devil was doing a number on me. I wasn't angry, but I was just dismayed. I was distraught, and I was like, oh, I can, I'll never be a good pastor. I'll never do this right. This is, I'm just going to quit now. I stewed all day long. In the evening, the phone rang. We didn't have cell phones back then. The phone rang. I went over and answered the phone. He told me who he was. I knew, you know, but he said, yeah. He goes, yeah, I, I just, I need to talk to you. And I go, okay. And I fully expected him to say, we're done. We'll never come back to the church. And he said, well, I just want you to know that you made me feel really bad today. And I said, I'm really sorry. That wasn't what I intended to do. He goes, yeah, I know that. But you made me feel really bad today. But I forgive you. He goes, I'm looking out the window. The sun's just about to set. He goes, I guess I waited till the last minute. But I just, I, I, I want you to know that, that I forgive you for hurting me today. And I said, well, help me. You know, if there's a way I could say these kind of things better to someone, I want to learn. And he goes, well, something like this is never going to feel good. And I go, you're right, it's not. And he goes, well, I'll see you Sunday. And he hung up the phone. But you know what? Come Sunday, I had such a love in my heart for that man. And we got to church, and he was like, well, I just feel really stupid right now. <laughs> the reality was that we were in relationship. We were in relationship. And it opened the door for he and I to have wonderful conversations about his struggles and his battles in his life. Because you know what? That man knew that I really deep down loved him. I really did. Where are you today? And where do you need to be? And if you know there's something that you're going to have to do here with this area of anger, I want you to stand right now. Let's, let's just be honest. I'm standing, all right? And I'm standing not because I'm preaching at this moment. I'm standing because I'm one of those people who needs to do something. If you're with me, stand, all right, because I want to pray for you. I'm not at, don't stand if you don't have an issue with this, okay? But if you do, even if it's a slight one, all right, even if it's just a little bit, all right, let's, let's be people of righteousness, all right? I'm not calling you to this. God is. I, I've just given you scripture. That's all I've done today. And I'm saying to you to be the church, to be the church that we can be in this community, to love people who are unlovable. All right? It's going to require us to die to ourselves and let Christ live in us. And that's what I'm going to do today is ask you to do that with me. All right? Let me pray for you. Father, we're going to ask you to do what only you can do. You did that when you sent Jesus 
You forgave us of our sins. You redeemed us. You rescued us when we could not rescue ourselves. Would you do that again today? Would you come again today and would you rescue us out of strongholds and out of bondages? Would you today deliver us as your people out of the spirit of anger? And would you renew your life in us today? Father, I'm praying for every person standing in this room today that they are able, they are able to die to themselves right now and to receive your spirit to be filled with your power, to walk in newness of life. God, we ask you to go into the places of the heart and we ask you to deal with these hurts and these wounds, with these offenses, with these unmet needs, these frustrations. We ask you, God, that, that you would tear down and dismantle these strongholds of the mind today. And we ask you, God, that you would replace that topos, that area of our heart, Lord, with your love and with your power. And God, let us continually be people who are forgiving. Let us be people who can lay down the offense. Let us be people who refuse to, to receive the spirit of anger into our hearts or our minds. Lord, let us be people who take captive every thought that is contrary to the very character and nature of Almighty God. Today, make us free in Jesus' name. And we hold on to your promise, God, that those who are free in Christ are free indeed. And so we live in that freedom today as resurrected people. May Christ live through us to the glory of Almighty God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And with that, folks, walk in your freedom. Amen? Amen.